This is Mission.org. I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Marketing Trends and the Leeds Art Week. How many games are there in the App Store, and how many of those are you actually aware of? That is the question that App Love imposes to game developers who are trying to find ways to get their games in front of the right people. Katie Jansen is the CMO of AppLovin, and on this episode of Marketing Trends, she discusses with us the strategies and tools they use to help bring more awareness to all the mobile games in the world and how they built up their own model for success at the company. Enjoy this episode. Marketing Trends Podcast is brought to you by Salesforce. We bring marketing and engagement together. Learn more at salesforce.com slash marketing. Here is your host, Ian Faison. Welcome to Marketing Trends. I'm Ian Faison, host of Marketing Trends. And we are joined by special guest, Katie, what's going on? Nothing. Thanks for having me here. I really appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me here because yeah. we're, we're on location <laughs> at AppLovin in sunny San Francisco. It's a great day and it's a great day to talk marketing. Um, so we're going to get into all the cool stuff that, that you all are doing. But first, how did you get started in marketing? So I actually came out of grad school when it was very difficult to get a job. This is probably 2004 or so. Um, and I got an inside sales job at a company called Cord Blood Registry, which is um, a biotech company doing umbilical cord stem cell storage. For So what that is, is when you have a baby, I realize a lot of people don't know what that is. When you have a baby, you can actually take the stem cells that are in the umbilical cord and store them cryogenically uh, to potentially use them in the future um, for st- around stem cells um, for the children. And I got a job there in inside sales and it was fine, but I really wanted to be in marketing. I always had known that I wanted to be in marketing. And so after a year or two, I worked my way in with um, the CMO and got her to talk to me about an open position that she had that did require quite a bit of experience. I was able to finagle my way into the role by convincing her that because I had um, my MBA and because I had um, was more of like an expert in the field, I could actually help out um, quite a bit on the marketing team. So that was on the e-commerce side. Uh, so I started out doing e-commerce there and I loved it. I worked with a great um, mentor there who taught me everything she knew about e-commerce and then just kind of went on from there. So I was focused in biotech for a while, and then I moved over. I made the very obvious pivot to games. Um, <laughs> yeah, kidding. I was just going to say. <laughs> um, yeah. From stem cells to STEM. Yeah. Uh, Katie Jansen's story. <laughs> so flash forward to today. Tell me a little bit about um, what it means to be CMO of AppLovin. Yeah, so... To back up um, for the listeners here, what AppLovin is, um, is at AppLovin, we have a a platform which helps um, game developers both monetize and market uh, their games. And we also have a business in which we um, own and operate studios. So we're actually creating um, and publishing games as well. So we're the the real key theme here at AppLovin is mobile games. Um, We're all about creating more mobile games and getting mobile games in front of more users. as a CMO here, I, I basically run two divisions. So I have the corporate marketing side, which is everything that you would think of as corporate marketing, right? So that's events, that's PR, that's communications, uh, content, brand, 
et cetera, uh, design, brand design. And then I also have creative services. And what that means here at AppLovin is that's the team that creates um, all the ads for our platform business. Um, so those are video ads. Um, those can be playable ads. Um, that's how we can launch some of those games to the top charts. I am sure I should have checked before this and I didn't our, with our head of growth. I am sure that we use your ad platform to, to promote our shows. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure we do. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'll have to uh, shout out to Dylan, wherever you are. We'll, we'll have to circle back on this because I we must. Um, I'm curious. So, you know, it kind of was a nonlinear shift there. How did mm-hmm. you get involved with the company in the first place? So after I was in a, at a different biotech company doing genetic, I guess, genet- it's not genetic research, more like, you know, 23andMe? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So as a competitor to 23andMe, I would call it a very conservative competitor to 23andMe that was going through um, hospitals and doctors to do the genetic testing and um, did not have the same funding as 23andMe. Yeah. And so when the CEO there left, she went over to um, Play First, which is a games company. Um, at the time, it was an online games company that did the Diner Dash series you know, after about five or six months, started talking to her and she said, why don't you come over here? Join me. Um, we can do game stuff. And I said, I don't, I don't know if I'm really, really a gamer, uh, but I played the Diner Dash games. I love them. I or as my fiance calls them cooking game. Yes. They're time management, right? Yeah. Um, which for she, some, was a, she was a chef. Right. So it's very ironic to me that yeah. every single time when she's playing what cooking game. Right. Uh, and it cracks me up. Right. It's a little, um, for those of us who maybe have that like uh, OCD in us, <laughs> yeah, 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 it's. It, I think that's kind of where where the game um where, where your words not well. mine. Yeah, it's okay. It, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's from one from one. I would probably like your fiance quite well, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, so I like the game and I like the idea of um being a mar- more of a marketing lead. At the time, I was kind of in the middle, and um, so I came on board to run all of the digital marketing over there. And then eventually was promoted uh, to VP of marketing, which was all marketing. So brand, press, et cetera. And um, when that company went through a transition, I decided to leave and I started my own consulting company um, that lasted for a few years. And AppLevin was actually a client of that company. Oh, funny. Yeah, yeah. So I came on board to AppLevin um, that way when they were, I don't know, sub 10 people still trying to kind of figure out what we were doing. And at the time they had just moved from doing uh, apps, kind of had figured out, okay, we want to do apps. We know mobile is where it's at right now. Weren't, I mean, we're a bunch of guys, married guys who were doing things like trying dating apps or fashion apps. Um, So maybe not their their core area of expertise. And so not doing great at actually launching those apps. But what it did was it actually showed them it's really hard to get apps noticed. How do we get them? Right. And even then, even at that time when there was a lot less competition, but there just wasn't the same ecosystem around it or, you know, platform for it. How do we get apps in front of people? And that's kind of where, you know, AppLovin on the platform side, the ad network side came from, started out on Android, went to iOS, and then it was... And then it was like, what's the, what's the next thing? How do we continue to help mobile games um, grow? And now that's, you know, owning studios or, you know, publishing games directly. And I don't know if you have these numbers on the top of your head, but 
how big is like the mobile gaming like industry at this point? Because yeah. it seems like if you go on to BART or wherever it is, yeah. people are playing mobile games all the time. Right. It's like every it's like the ultimate four quadrant right. kind of thing, right? Yeah. You have the CEO of whatever company playing Sudoku, right? And you have you know whoever it is, uh, you know, Ian sitting there playing, you know, whatever puzzle game. Like yeah. it just seems like everyone is playing mobile games. Yeah. Uh, and I'm just, yeah. What's the size, the scope of the industry? So it's any, I, it's about 64 billion as the last stat um, that I've seen for mobile games um, around there. So it's a huge, huge industry. And it's one of those industries where if you look at the chart, it's definitely a mountain going upward it hasn't, you know, plateaued. It's not going down. I mean, it's only increasing. Um, it tends to be some real positive about the industries is that it tends to be a recession-proof industry yeah. for the most part, right? You think about we gotta it. got to escape. <laughs> right? You got to escape. You, you know, are taking a break from work, whatever the case may be. You, you still have time to play that mobile game. Yeah. It's really interesting. I mean, like, you know, I, I grew up playing a ton of... Um, like card games and board games with my family yeah. and things like that. And now you think about playing, you know, whatever Scrabble type game that's out there. Yeah, like Wordscapes like, or yeah, something. Wordscapes, yeah, Wordscapes, exactly. Um, with your friends and, you know, people like that, it's like, you know, the quote unquote like board game night is now like a different kind of thing because you can play, you can have those in person, like have, mm -hmm. a, you know, people over and have, you know, whatever drinks and food and whatever. But you can also just play games with your friends all the time. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just such a fun thing, but it's also a great opportunity for marketers, um, yeah. which is so exciting. One yeah. of the things I want to talk to you about. So like, what, what are you seeing from a marketing perspective, mobile games? In my opinion, it's like we haven't even scratched the surface. I totally agree. So there's a couple ways. Um, there's the obvious ways, right? There's putting ads you know, the first, the, it started, if we want to get, you know, kind of go back when they were just putting banner ads in these games, right? Um, and now it's progressed to a lot more sophisticated from an ad perspective where you'll have video ads or my daughter calls them promotions because she doesn't yet know their ads. <laughs> my mom, I have a promotion. Um, so you can watch <laughs> a video and actually get coins yeah. for that, right? So that's like rewarded video. So you actually can achieve something within the game. Yeah. You know, and that's been, that's probably just a year or two old, but now it's just par for the course, right? Um, you have playable ads that are maybe, maybe a little over a year old in which you can actually play a little bit of the game that the ad is advertising for. Progressive does a ton of these. Right. I think. Yeah. Yes. I mean, they're a progressive, a lot of the mobile game, a lot of game groups will do it too. Cause you know, of course you want someone to get a little taste of your game before they actually download it. Cause if they get that taste, they're more inclined to actually download the game. So you can actually go in and play a tiny bit of the game. And you also have the in-app in currency, right? Um, so you can actually buy things in the game. And what we're starting to see a lot more of now, which is, I just think it's so fascinating, is that people will buy things in the game and then want to buy that same thing in the real world. So I can buy this Prada bag in the game for X amount of coins. And then I can actually, you know, go get that same Prada bag and have it be special from the game. So, so that online, offline, that in-app, in um, offline experience. Yeah. That's really 
We tried that, I will say, at Play First. We actually tried that. And the, the industry was not ready for it at the time. So it's fascinating to me to see that the industry does seem to be ready for it now. Yeah, I mean, you think about just like the licensing opportunities from people like Marvel mm-hmm. and, and uh, Star Wars and all these right? things. Like, hey, you you know, your character can have a you know Baby Yoda tattoo or whatever. And right. I mean, like, there's just all <laughs> sorts of things that you can do. Um, and games are like the perfect you know, proving ground, but I do have, I do have a, a concern, um, that you do get the tendency to have certain type of ads that are really interrupty. Mm-hmm. And I think generally speaking, most people who play free games, like understand that like I'm playing a free game. So yeah. the ads are par for the course, Right, but there's going to be, I think there's going to be some really creative solutions to kind of figure out from on the advertiser side, how can we create things that are value add or yeah. interesting or whatever. And I always go back to um, like movie trailers. Like yeah. the movie trailers are so interesting to me. This is an aside, but movie trailers are so <laughs> interesting to me because it's the one advertisement that you actually show up early to see. That's right. right. Yeah. Like you go absolutely. to the movies and you show up early because you want to see, which are basically just ads, right? right? For For things that are coming out. But it kind of shows the human psyche of like, we actually want to see what new like shows are coming out. Yes. So therefore it's not obtrusive. It's actually a value add to us. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's so many ways, particularly with promoting content on app platforms, on gaming platforms, because it's a perfect place to find yeah. out about stuff. Yeah. And I think you kind of hit it on the head when you just said the word content, right? So it's not like we're going early to a movie to see an ad for the, you know, the next cleaning brand or <laughs> yeah. something like that, right? Like it's a, we want to see it because it's content that we're, we're probably going to consume later or we may want to consume later. And I think, you know, games um, have that same appeal. I do think it's progressed. Um, I I definitely remember when it was a lot more just like, let's throw a ton of games, let's throw like three ads at once, or let's just put them all throughout. And it has definitely gotten better. Like there's certain breaks in games um, that make a lot of sense uh, in between levels or right, like you just brought it up right before the game actually starts is a great place to do it. Um, Movie trailers actually do well in games too, to be perfectly candid, Um, because people want to see those those trailers and that content too. And then the other piece is making sure you're showing the right content content to the right group of people. Yeah. So just think about it. The movie is like, if I take my kids to a movie, thank God they're not seeing, you know, a trailer for some horror, horror movie, right? Totally. (laughs) Because they're targeting the content to the age demographic with my kids and with games, you can do that, but more, it's more about targeting it. Like if you're playing a Sudoku game, there's a pretty good chance you're actually going to like that Scrabble game. Right. Um, but we're not, you're not going to actually see an ad for some multiplayer, like heavy action type game. Um, so it's more about what games are you playing and then making sure we know the tangential games you would probably like. Can I, can I say, I think what, one of the things I'm really excited for is the like cross pollination of things that are not directly one-to-one related. And what I say by that is that this is my, my, what I'm so interested. I want to run an experiment on this. I I don't know how, but so if we were to say, take like a fantasy football podcast Mm -hmm. and then take like a, a a mobile game, like Wordscapes and, and cross pollinate those two audiences and say, the fantasy football podcast is mostly getting ads about other fantasy football stuff. Mm-hmm. And the Wordscapes audience might be, uh, 
getting a bunch of ads about, you know, mobile games. But I'm like, isn't the you know, isn't the the true magic when we can cross pollinate those two things? Because there's probably a carryover audience from maybe those two correlate, maybe they don't. Um, but I'm just so interested in the way that people like find games and then how games source information to them the similar way that like newspaper ads did back mm-hmm. in the day. Because like for some people, they're on a, a game more than any other app on their phone at any given time. Sure. We ask this question to every single guest, like what what's your favorite app or app on your phone that's the most fun? Yeah. Not a lot of executives have a fun app on their phone. And it really? just, yeah, <laughs> it speaks to like, the role of play mm-hmm. and the role of uh, like education and all those things and, and what your phone kind of does and the utility of that. And so anyways, this is a long-winded way of saying that I really am so excited for the future of mobile gaming because it's such a good discovery for other things. And like, I just, yeah, I, I just feel like we haven't scratched the surface. Yeah. So a couple of things. First, I would, I would, Almost argue those executives are on a podcast, so they're going to tell you some super sophisticated app. I bet they might have a few games on their phone. <laughs> oh, no, but, they do. They, yeah. <laughs> once they think about it, then they're like, oh, yeah, no, yeah. but it's just funny. Push that, comes to shove, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, I, I completely agree. And so, like, with, with the example you were giving, with the football group, is those, those guys are probably going to be more inclined, if I'm thinking through personas towards to some of the casino apps, right? So we have a general idea that there's personas, right? Um, and we there is some kind of cross-pollination going on right now. There's just so many people who have games, it's easier to say, okay, you have this game, you're probably going to like this game. But those are also definitely people who are playing fantasy football too. And we have a pretty good idea that they're playing fantasy football because that's just the target range. It feels to me that this type of thing is clear. Like you said, it's growing yes. um, at a very consistent rate. And I'm curious if you're a CMO out there, a marketer, and you want to create a game mm-hmm. for like, let, let's use the Prada example. Yeah. If you're the CMO of Prada and you want to make, make a fun game, like, could you just go to AppLovin and say like, hey, we, we want to make a mobile game. It's going to be called the Prada game, mm-hmm. uh, or maybe it has nothing to do with Prada, but there's going to have some sort of integrations. I'm, it seems to me like that could be a really fun experiment to run for a marketing team right. of like, let's think through how to create something that's really, really good, that stands on its own, and that we have ownership of, and that we could have integrations. Like, Have yeah. you talked to any CMOs that are thinking about stuff like that? Where we, the, the people that we talk to are more game developers. So these are people who are already creating games or they have a part, they have a job and they're a one-off who's creating a game on their own. Um, they tend to be more developers though, versus marketers. There's very few marketers that I know that are, that um, are going to go create a game, not because they couldn't, or they don't find the value. It's more that if you're Prada, you're probably going to go and create a whole group and that group's going to create the game for you. And then you're going to come to AppLovin and say, help me get this game mm. to the top of the charts, right? Yeah. Whereas the group, the guys that we help publish, guys or gals, I should say, that we help um, publish those games, those are folks who don't have the same resources that Prada has. They've got a great game or they have a, an amazing initial concept, but they don't have the funds to, to get it in front of people. 
Yeah. And that's when a group like AppLovin can really come in and help out because we do have the, have the funds obviously to help those. And when we see a great game, we are all about getting it um, in front of consumers. The products of the world are probably going to take it, make it great, and then come to us to get it out there. Or we need to just match them up. You're like, hey, we have this great developer. And, yeah, that uh, would be great. Yeah. We haven't done that yet, but that's a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, if you're if you're listening and you want a cool game, because you have yeah. you have super talented developers on the platform, and mm-hmm. I guess maybe that's kind of what I'm getting to. Maybe this kind of leads into the next question of just like how tough it is to build a marketplace. Yeah. Um, I'm curious, like, how do you think about this marketplace? You clearly have you know, the, a, a group of de- developers that are extremely important to you, you have advertisers, you have, you know, the people actually playing the games, yeah. your end users, uh, a lot of, uh, a lot of opportunity there, but potentially it's pretty tough sometimes to, uh, to build a marketplace. Yeah. So, I mean, we just did it step-by-step here at AppLovin and we did it by being very nimble, very product focused. We did it by not putting a lot into sales and marketing early on. Um, I was the first marketing person for quite some time and I was solo. And, you know, now between creative services and marketing, I have a team of about 55. Um, So that's a pretty unique experience being number one and having grown to that. But I can tell you early on, it was just me and a part-time developer doing things like the site or press, or it was just really me doing, (laughs) doing a lot of it. (laughs) Um, and so in terms of the larger marketplace, I mean, it it was all about keeping the developer top of mind for us. And now it's grown into, as you mentioned, so many different ways in which we interact with the developer. We do have game developers here who work for us, obviously, right. You know, um, that are working on levels and content within the games. We have game developers who are working on creating playable ads because you have to have a game developer to create that playable ad piece. Um, And always 100% through everything we've done at AppLevin, we've really thought about that developer and focused on the developer. Um, We work with developers of all sizes. We we have many groups that we work with that is just one person. Um, And then we have other, you know, the huge EAs of the world, which is different ballgame altogether. I'm curious, how much of those early days did you put into like audience refinement? Because this is one of the things that we think about all the time in growing podcasts is like, first and foremost, you have to make a great show. Mm -hmm. Like you can't put anything like this is not the experimental kind of thing. And I think a lot of people really get this wrong. And I see people on, on, you know, Twitter talking about this, like you can start a podcast with whatever. It's like, yeah, you can also with, with $5, you can also write a book with $5, but that doesn't mean that the investment of your time (laughs) to write a book may or may not be the smartest decision at that point in time. You probably need an editor. You probably need whatever. Um, but you can do it. And so I'm curious, like, when you were thinking about the audience development for these particular games, Mm -hmm. like how much, like, do you have, obviously you have personas based off that stuff now, but earlier days, what were you looking at? So I'll be, I'll be real candid with you. Not, not much. Yeah. So, you know, this is an industry that evolves very quickly. Yeah. Right. So, you know, and if you look back, you're talking about the newspapers and you see how, 
you know, how long it took for that to evolve and the print in general. And then you go to online and you see the evolution of that. And then you have mobile, which is even faster, right? It's like five to seven years. I mean, sometimes you have an idea and you wake up and it's old news (laughs) in mobile, right? So it moved really quickly. So Apple Oven is just about eight years old, is eight years old. We just had a birthday actually (laughs) a couple of weeks ago. So we're eight years old. So if you can imagine eight years ago, the audience, focusing on the audience, it was fine just to say, we know there's people out there developing games and apps because it was still relatively new. And that was almost good enough to do. And really all we did was focus on making an amazing product and we would test it and we would listen to the app developers and the customers. And because they will absolutely tell you, as I'm sure uh, (laughs) you and this audience know, they'll tell you when there's a problem. Um, And then we would iterate based on their feedback. One of the very cool things about AppLovin is for so long we were self-funded. And I want to bring that up because what that that does mean is that we were able to move, iterate, uh, be 100% focused on making a great product without a high volume of pressure to um, get a bunch of customers in the door or to get a certain subset of customers or to do X, Y, and Z, whatever the, the board wants you to do. And that allowed us to just really stay focused on the product and ironically become profitable within, you know, six months. Um, and, and maintain that profitability all the way through. Um, we also had our founders who had done this several times before. I don't necessarily mean this exact business, but they had been in parts of the business before, whether it was apps or you know our CTO had been at DoubleClick. So they had a general idea of the industry um, and that also helped quite a bit. Yeah, I, I love that you said you know, and I appreciate you being candid because I think that that's a mistake that people make a lot is that they like ignore the assumptions that are already being made. Mm-hmm. So like the assumptions of the audience is rise of mobile, everybody's going to be mobile. Mm-hmm. Everybody has time to play games right. uh, because it's on their commute or it's when they get home to de-stress or before bed or whatever it is. Um, they're already playing games and there are a huge group of really talented creatives that are trying to make better things for those people. Sure. And if you just look at the gaming industry in general over however long, like, of course, this was the logical progression from like when you could play Yahtzee on like the handheld little devices or whatever. Yeah. Um, And then there was the, do you remember social games when everything, all those games on Facebook were huge? That's when I first got in. And I remember Farmville and just oh yeah, the mass every, Mafia and then everyone wars. right and yeah. everyone wanted to do social. <laughs> yeah, and so you make all of these assumptions and say, hey, we we don't really need to focus on you know defining getting to. It's like big data. How you hear how sometimes people like take a large amount of data and and basically try to tell it what to do instead right. of just like let the data tell them what to mm-hmm. do. It's kind of the same sort of thing. If you're going to put 100 games out into the ecosphere yeah. and you're just going to let people self-select, but the assumption there is also that you're going to promote these games. Right. And I think that is, from what you what you talked about, seems like it's one of the secret sauces because so many times people create things and then have no either budget left or whatever to actually market the thing that they're doing. Like we market marketing trends. Of course we do. Like why would we not, right? (laughs) We want more people to find it. Right. So there's a couple of things. I think 
you know, if you look back even just a few years, there was a lot more developers who would who would do that. Uh, they would create a great game and just assume because it was a great game, it would get out in front of people. Um, they didn't think through also the monetization. Like I created this great, great game. I want everyone to see it. Oh, how am I going to make money on this game? Right. And then, you know, putting ads in the games or thinking about the economy, um, in order to do like the game economy for, um, in-app purchases was afterthought. And I think people are, they're getting a lot more sophisticated now. Um, you still, still have that obviously happen, but the more obviously do that on the front end and you say, okay, I have to build the economy ahead of time as part of the game. First of all, that's a much better experience because it's, you know, one hole versus something that's slapped on at the end. Um, same whether it's ad-based and, you know, thinking ahead of time, do I want this to be ad-based? Do I want it to be IAP? Do I want it to be both? Um, and doing that early on and then reserving, like you said, part of the budget to market. Um, some people don't have a budget to market and that's really where, you know, the app lovins, um, or our, we actually have lion studios, which is our publishing studio. Um, that's where they come in, which is really, you don't, you may not have the funds to market, but we can actually help you market it. Yeah. So, and I wanted to ask you, so tell me how lion studios works. Yeah. So lion studios is, is a publishing studio. So what that means is we go out and we find great developers. Those developers aren't, you know, they're, they're not advertising on the platform like a traditional advertiser would. They're actually coming to us at all levels, to be honest. Um, it could be they're coming with a really great concept and kind of a half-baked uh, game. They could be coming with a game that they've actually already launched and it needs some refinement and tweaking. And um, then we can actually help them get it out there in front of users. So there's a lot of different ways they come with what they have. And then we partner with those developers to get it out in front of players. It's And is it kind of in any way almost like, a, and I don't want to you know, pigeonhole it here, but like similar-ish to like a VC kind of model where it's like you're putting an investment into these mm -hmm. firms, but, but it's not really like that because you're, you're growing it too. We certainly have other things that are more like that. So you probably have seen that we've been invest doing strategic investments um, in some studios, some existing yeah. larger, these are more larger studios, right? Yeah, like okay. you've saw, you've seen like the Belkas of the world when we um, announced that. So that I would almost equate, again, we are not a VC, so I don't want to say, but, yeah. that, but there is more of a strategic investment. The publishing is more like a, a I would call it more like a partnership. And they're not going to go out and partner with, multiple VCs. We are their publishing partners. Yeah, it's like so, a book publisher. Like a book publisher, yeah. exactly. Yeah. The problem with book publishers <laughs> um, is historically the distribution side of things is extremely complicated in yeah. publishing. With gaming, with mobile gaming, also very complicated, but much more simplified because you don't have physical stores. Yeah. And we understand, like, look, we, because of the platform work that we've done, we really understand that very well, that side of the business really well. We understand how to, you know, do user acquisition on Facebook and Google, like, and we do, to, we will do, we go out and do it on our own platform, just like they're another customer of ours. When the game's ready to go, they're treated like another customer on our platform and we'll go buy on Facebook, we'll go buy on Google, we'll go buy on, you know, 
Bungle will go buy on other platforms to get that game because the goal is to get that game out in front of more players. Um, I don't know much about the book publishing industry, but yes, I've. <laughs> well, yeah, I've heard, it's, I, I agree. It's really I've heard crazy. distribution can be rough. <laughs> well, yeah, there's a, Seth Godin has a great episode on his podcast about it, but basically just you know, like long story short, it's it's brutal because of all the things that were in place to make physical books right. get in front of people. And right. now the internet completely changed all of that, right? I bet, yeah, our e- ebooks probably changed it quite a yeah. bit, right? Yeah. Because you can just self-publish now. Yeah. And then the question is finding the audience. Right. So, you know, kind of in this same exact example, you can self-publish a game, but you still need to have the marketing engine behind it. I don't want to say it's impossible, but it's very differ- difficult be- to not have that. Early on, you could publish... Um, self-publish a game. And it, you know, for whatever reason, if it was a really great game, it could, you know, Apple may feature it, for example. You know, Apple could feature it in the App Store, Google could feature it in Google Play, and more organic users would come to it. Now there's so many apps, right? (laughs) Millions, right? Um, And just the competition is, is pretty stiff, especially when most of those other games or most of those other apps are doing exactly what you just said, which is putting marketing dollars behind it. Um, it just gets a lot harder for uh, for the the little guys without the funds to get noticed, and we're that's where we we really come in well on the publishing side. Yeah, I mean, we it's the same thing that we talk about with podcasts all the time. Of like, you know, a huge multi billion dollar company will come out with a podcast that gets like fifty five downloads, and it's yeah, like, yeah, because you just burned your list of customers promoting something that like you were trying to create to get new customers, for example, or whatever it is, right? Like, don't do, don't do that. Like, find new people to get in front of. Um, and or, like, that's called marketing. But but the idea, though, is that the asset at the end of the of the marketing rainbow here is something that the, that the end user really wants or really will love or enjoy. Right. And like, that's the big difference is marketing a game that someone is, is going to dig or make a decision on in five seconds. Be mm-hmm. like, yeah, I don't like it. Yeah. Or I do like it. it. It's a lot easier proposition than, yeah. you know, promoting something like, you know, Hey, you know, buy this new handbag. Right. And well, the other thing that's interesting and in you know, to, to continue your, your analogy of podcasting games is when you really like something, it's also really compelling to say, oh, I'm going to go out and create it. So on our, I can tell you right now, we just had a meeting last week as we're talking talking to, about what kind of digital events we do or what what are some more things that we can do for to promote app Lovin as a as a brand, right? So moving away for a second from the actual games. And the team was very hot to try. We should create our own podcast, right? <laughs> and I said, we're not going to create our own. <laughs> we're not going to create our own podcast. Let's actually go on a few pro- podcasts. Let's, you know, partner with partners who have podcasts. But the amount of work to create compelling content on a regular basis and then market it to get the users, even when you have a user base, um, that's, you know, think about the amount of people we'd have to, you know, because we're not going to go into something you know, half-baked. If yeah, we're going to do thing. it, we're going to do it really well. <laughs> well, that's the thing. It's like, do you want to make something great? And that's the conversation we have all the time. Right. And I'm sure it's the same thing that you have with your developers right. all the time, which is like, if JK Rowling is a genius, she is the creative, you know, genius behind all of those amazing things. Yeah. Uh, however, 
there's all sorts of other things that go into like marketing the world that she built oh, gosh, and, yeah. and creating all that sort of stuff. And again, that's a book. So it's not a one-to-one example, but it's the same thing with shows. Like we have a producer, we have an audio engineer, we have an editor. Right. Like we're looking at like, we want to make things great. And I think that that's really tough because the creator in most cases thinks they have something great mm-hmm. and they want to get it just like any product person. Um, and it takes the marketer to be like, I'm with you 100%, but we have to do like half of the job is making it. The yes. other half is selling it. Like, right. That's how, you know, there's only two functions in a company like right. product and sales. And it's like the sales piece is marketing distribution, you know, positioning right. all of those things and for a game maker, like they don't want to do that, right? Exactly. And so App Lovin will do most of that for them, right? Because really, when and I don't know if it's the same. You can probably tell me if it's the same for podcasts. I love podcasts, by the way. So I I do hear and I have, there's a couple of people on my team who love them. So I hear I love the passion, but <laughs> um, we can be great listeners and partners. Um, but on the the game side, it's most of the time um, these developers are all about creating the gate great game. You don't usually have someone who's like, I want to be the one that focuses on monetization. <laughs> that is my favorite thing. And that's all I want to do. Now, as you get to the <laughs> yeah, really big, right. As you get to like the really big companies, they obviously have monetization managers and stuff that they've hired, but I'm talking about those mid to, to indie guys that, um, they're just about creating these amazing games, right? That's what, that's what their passion is. And so app Lovin or other publishing studios out there, we can, we can take on the business side. Like we know the business side so well at this point. We can take that on. And then they, and that actually gives them the fuel they need to make more great games um, and spend their time. So it's not even just a, you know, to be honest with you, it's not just a money thing. It's also a time thing. Um, Cause you can imagine these people are out there hustling, working long hours. They'd rather be working long hours on game development than thinking about how they make enough money to create the next great game. Yeah. It's like Appluff and, and, has the the architecture to be able to support all of those things mm-hmm. that that grow and iterate and uh, and focus on the monetization yeah. all that stuff. I like it. You can TM that architecture, right? <laughs> Someone said that to me a long time oh, okay. ago. Okay, so you can't. TM. I, didn't, I didn't make it up, but <laughs> right. um, but I think it, it, this is the exact thing, right? It's like your sales and marketing, you know, stack that goes into distributing a great product, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's what it is. Um, that definition I made up, but it fits. Um, <laughs> favorite campaign you ever did? So my favorite campaign I ever did is here. And it's completely different than almost everything we've talked about. We did a billboard campaign here um, a few years back that was really all about hiring. We used um, memes to do it. You should look at it. They're very uh, stark. They're white with um, just mostly white and black with like a tiny bit of color. We only did one billboard uh, at a time. I think we did a six in total, but because they were, you know, oh yeah, guy, we're hiring. Um, And because they stood out so much for a very long time, everywhere I would go, people would say, oh, you're the billboard company. That's so funny. (laughs) And we would only do one billboard, but people thought they were all over the Bay Area because it was just, it just stood out compared to all the other billboards. It was on 101, um, one at a time. Um, We got, it was great for our brand. It was decent for recruiting, but it was very good for our brand recognition. 
So I love that. And that's such a great example of when you have an advantage, we always talk about like always fight where you can win in marketing. When you have an advantage and you're a gaming company and that's super fun, Mm -hmm. people want to work at companies like that. And if you, and if you position it in the right way, like you can get a massive response and that campaign has like exponential upside, right? Right. Because like all sorts of people can, can see it. Right. And when I, when we started, when we started it, I said, you know, you can go a couple different ways. You can go quantity or you can go quality. And I'd say the way I've always approached marketing here has been quality. Um, and so instead of purchasing, you know, 10 billboards throughout the Bay Area, we just purchased the one and made sure that it was something that really stood out. And so we drove up and down 101 and looked at other billboards. And for the most part, they were you know, really a lot of color and I could get where they're going. Right. But I said, okay, well, let's just do black and white then <laughs> because it'll really stand out. And let's, let's grab these memes that it was really when me and not that memes aren't popular now, but do you remember like a year or two when they were just huge, I right? I have a meme on my yeah, t-shirt, <laughs> a marketing trends meme. Right. So, and it's not, again, not like they aren't now, but there was, I remember when they kind of first come out and everywhere you went was a meme. So it was also taking something that was fun, relevant in culture and applying it to the company. And I think all in all, I mean, I would be in an Uber and they would say, you're the, you're the billboard lady, which isn't really what I would like to go, <laughs> go I, with as my headline <laughs> in life. But, um, for a while it did feel that way. <laughs> I love that. And, uh, I talk about the shot on iPhone billboard ads mm-hmm, all the time because mm-hmm. I think that those are just like some of the most brilliantly done they marketing are. campaigns. They are. Because it's just so elegant and simple and yes. stunning. Um, yeah, it's it's how you can do. And you everyone, everyone in the Bay Area knows those ads. Ours did really well for us and, and really, really well on the brand recognition. And there are still people here who will regularly say, when are we going to bring the billboards back? You know, um, I think the billboards have at least, yeah, for now seen their, seen their heyday, but it was really fun when we got to do it. <laughs> Let's get into our lightning round. These questions are fast and easy, just like marketing with Salesforce. You can go to salesforce.com slash marketing to learn more about, you know, really marketing on the world's number one CRM, but much more than that. You know, it's just, uh, Salesforce brings marketing and engagement together. Salesforce.com slash marketing lightning round questions. Katie, mm-hmm. are you ready? Yeah. Number one, what app on your phone is the most fun? So right now I'm into Cooking Mama. Ooh. Yeah. So your fiance might like Cooking I, Mama. I or will. she might already she might already yeah, have she might it. Already be yeah. playing. <laughs> she might already have it. Uh, just the cooking games in general, I think, are are pretty fun. What is your favorite? Thing to cook or eat? Oh, so to cook, I'm more on the, like I do things at home. My favorite thing is probably chili. Mm. I have a pretty good, kids call it a chocolate chili, which is like a red chili. <laughs> and then I also have a white bean chili. So I they, they asked me to do a chili cook-off against myself sometimes. <laughs> and I need about three or four hours to do that. So few and far between, but yeah, that's probably what favorite to cook. If you're going to come to the Bay Area for one weekend to do a particular outdoor sport, Mm -hmm. what would you recommend somebody does? Mm. Well, we, it's not really the Bay Area, but I would still recommend it for the Bay Area. We have a little cabin up in Arnold. Oh, Arnold's the best. Yeah, right? I go there every year. Yeah, Yeah, we go up there 
every year to go uh, skiing and snowboarding. So the first thing I would say would be skiing and snowboarding because we're a big ski snowboard family. But during the summer, we also do a lot of kayaking and hiking. Love Arnold. Yeah. Highly recommend. Uh, Hidden talent or passion? Oh, I have a very... So my hidden talent, although it's probably not that hidden, would be of a really strong memory. I utilize my memory often to help me kind of one up. Um, I used to play basketball in school too. So most people probably don't know that about me. (laughs) Best advice for a first-time CMO? Make sure you focus on the strategy as well as the tactics, especially if you're starting at a startup and you have these clear goals out of the gate. It can get really easy to get focused on the the day-to-day, the tactics, the just hitting that one number, but make sure you have the broad vision too. What question do you never get asked that you wish you were asked more often? I never get asked what my favorite podcast is. What, I, I was kind of hoping you were going to ask me What that. is your favorite yeah, podcast? My favorite podcast right now is Ear Hustle. It mm. is hands down. Have you heard Ear Hustle? No, I haven't. So Ear Hustle is, it's out of San Quentin and it was actually created by an inmate there and, I um, heard about this, but yeah. yeah, I didn't know that was what it was called. Okay, anyways. And it, as it's evolved, because I think most a lot of, because of the, his work on the podcast, the inmate has actually gotten released by the mm. governor. It's fascinating. It's not just about people telling their prison story. It's also about just what is it like yeah. in prison, day in the life of prison, even Crazy. from like what your job is in prison, like just regular things, you know? Yeah. Well, this has been awesome. Is there any uh, final thoughts, anything to plug? Any any game, any new releases coming out soon? Any stuff that uh, people <laughs> should be looking out for? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of games. I would definitely, if you like the uh, the word games, like you were talking about, Wordscapes, Blockscapes, those are people fun. Studios does those. Those are amazing. Um, Clipwire has Bingo Story. And Jiwa has Smashing Four. So those are that's a, an array um, of games, depending on what you like. Awesome. Thanks so much for hanging out. We'll, we'll, uh, we got to talk, talk soon. I love the app. Love the gaming stuff. All right. Cool. Thank you. Marketing Trends Podcast is brought to you by Salesforce. Discover marketing built on the world's number one CRM, Salesforce. Put your customer at the center of every interaction. Automate engagement with each customer and build your marketing strategy around the entire customer journey. Salesforce, we bring marketing and engagement together. Learn more at salesforce.com slash marketing. You have eight seconds to make a connection or risk a click away onto the next topic. The difference lies in your ability to deliver relevant experiences to your audience across devices and across channels. But delivering on a really great experience is impossible without the right people and the right technology. You've got the right people, but your technology choices will make or break someone's experience with your brand. At the center of gravity of your digital experience, Brightspot Content Management System can deliver relevant content, personalized experiences, and cross-channel synergies to create unforgettable brand experiences. So you 
can be a bright spot in someone's day. Head over to brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends to find out right now. From global crisis to hunger relief efforts, the messages you deliver save lives, inform important decision-making, and help keep communities safe and sound. The speed and scale of your content needs to be delivered faster and on a much larger scale. Brightspot Content Management System has supported some of the world's largest brands to communicate on a global scale. From Johnson & Johnson sharing critical information with their customers to helping Whole Foods tell their brand story to a global audience. Brightspot is designed to handle rapid iteration and personalized messages to those you care about most. Learn more at brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends.